0: Check out the Competitive Mindset website for a full catalog of episodes and interview review articles. You can find the site at competitive-mindset.com or through our social media at CompetitivePod.
1: This is more so freedom or the ability to kind of do, do what you want to do.
0: Welcome to the Competitive Mindset Podcast. Each interview, we talk to leaders who differentiate themselves and achieve high levels of performance through the lens of motivation, competitiveness, and mindset. These conversations lead to thought-provoking idea-sharing and growth, accompanied by entertaining storytelling. Welcome along on our journey to lifelong learning, improved performance, and a look inside the competitive mindset. Billy Keckler Basketball is scheduling for summer camps. If your youth program or high school teams are looking for out-of-season skill and team development, BKB will come to your community and instruct skills and concepts that fit into your program's mission. For more information and inquiries, email billykeglerbasketball at gmail.com. BKB is a unique player experience. The Greatest Games Podcast interviews coaches of all levels about the greatest games they have ever been a part of. Chris and Brian post two episodes per week that explore these great games and also takes a dive into each coach's journey and some lessons that they have learned along the way. Catch the Greatest Games podcast on all podcast platforms, as well as thegreatestgames.podbean.com.
2: Believe, welcome to the Competitive Mindset Podcast.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
2: Let's get started and tell us about your journey through life and how it's led you to where you are right now.
1: My name's Khalifa Al-Amin, born and raised in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Started playing basketball at a very competitive level at a very early age. You know, that opened up a a lot of doors while serving as as an escape from things that were going on, you know, during my life at the time. One mainly being uh, my parents, you know, going through a divorce. Started playing basketball. That was my first love, my first passion. Went to Rufus King High School, very fortunate to be co-captain of a uh, two-time back-to-back WIA state championship team. Went up to Stevens Point after I graduated, played from 2005 to 2009, graduated with a sociology degree with a psychology minor with the intent of taking over uh, my father's social service agency, which he's been owning and operating uh, for 35 years now since 1985. But as I started you know, as I graduated and started working in the in the company, I noticed that, you know, it was more so a, a passion of my father than it was of mine. So, you know, it was time for me to make a make a move and make a shift, uh, because I was having trouble leaving work at work. I mean you're hearing so many different terrible stories that's happening uh, you know, with, with children and families right here in Milwaukee and southeastern Wisconsin. So but then about two thousand twelve, my brother and I, we started what's called Young Enterprising Society which is a project management company where we do a number of different things, but our two main initiatives right now are uh, STEAM programming, science, technology, engineering, art, and math, uh, where we – well, pre-COVID, we would go into schools and, you know, provide students with with a lot of tech and entrepreneurial training. But then, you know, once COVID hit, you know, obviously that shifted to virtual. Uh, But, you know, since 2013, we've been very blessed to teach over 3,500 students in eight different states. Uh, through our steam training, and then in 2018, a- August of 2018, we started what's called the Blueprint, and the Blueprint is our business accelerator uh, for adults with tech, e-commerce, and advanced manufacturing startups. So we've graduated five cohorts from there, uh, with a total of 48 companies. Uh, we're able to provide them with some grant funding after they successfully complete, uh, in addition to you know uh, other resources that that you know just continue to help build, grow, and sustain. Uh, their companies uh, in their entrepreneurial
2: journey. All right, I want to take you back in time a little bit. You mentioned really competitive at an early age. Can you take me back in time to the first time you remember a competition that you really felt the competitiveness was a driving force in?
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. It was. I was either around like eight or nine uh, years old, and there was this Saturday league. We played at a school called St. Thomas Aquinas here in Milwaukee on you know, like in 30 seconds. So it was over in that area. Uh, at the time, like looking back on all the players who, who were a part of that league, it was some, you know, it was a lot of players who I played with throughout high school and some even throughout college as well. But it was just like, that was, that was like that first time where I was like, okay, like this is, you know, this not, not a, you know, at, at school or on the playground or in the backyard, you know, or in the driveway with my brother or whatever. Like, this is like people my age that are all really, really good. So that, that was probably the first time where I was like, okay, like, I can compete at a high level with, you know, with my peers, you know, with the, with the best people, you know, other, other really good basketball players. So I would say probably about eight or nine was the first time when I realized like, okay, like, this is what competition feels like. Do you remember a moment or a time where you were you were able to
2: distinctly separate this is not recreation or this is not school ball, this is something that
1: is much more focused and much more organized? Soon after that league at St. Thomas Aquinas um, is when I started playing AAU. And uh, the team that we had, we were called a, a well, PAL SWISH. We were through the Police Athletic League, uh, and then we switched to Milwaukee SWISH. But that was when that was when I realized, like, okay, like this is like this is serious, you know, because it went from St. Thomas Aquinas, like competition level to us, you know, having a really, really good AAU team at, you know, 10 years old to us traveling, you know, to Cocoa Beach, Florida for, you know, 11 and under nationals and beating the number one ranked team. So like that was like when I was when I when it really started to click to me. And it was like, okay, like this is, you know, this 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 basketball thing is is serious, you know, and, and, it, and it can open a lot of doors and, you know, take me places that I that I couldn't have even, you know, thought of, you know, as a as a ten year old.
2: So that success carried you into high school, as you mentioned. That King, can you tell me what one or two characteristics of those teams were that made them so successful in your eye?
1: Uh, that's a good question. Uh, I would say one of the main things was, was, was the competition itself. Coach guys, he instilled a level of toughness and a level of just everything had a consequence. Um, you know, we didn't do anything just to be doing it. You know, losers had to run, winners didn't have to run or, you know, whether those was pushups or, you know, suicides, or whatever, whatever it was, you know, he instilled in us that competitive nature. So I would say we had a, we had a high level of com- of competition uh, you know our practices were oftentimes much harder than the games that we played but yeah i would say that we had a high level of competition and really we were we were a close knit group uh, i would say like our togetherness or our chemistry you know you would catch us outside of school at least 2 3 you know sometimes 4 or 5 of us at a time you know whether that was you know going to the mall or you know going to a barber shop together or whatever, you know, going to get something to eat before the game. Uh, we were always together and a lot of that transferred from, you know, that St. Thomas acquaintance group that, you know, AAU with Swish and then, you know, on up. Uh, you know, we were just, we, we really, we really looked at us at, at our group as a brotherhood. So, you know, it was just a, a high level of accountability and respect that we have for each other.
2: And then you went to WC's point, which is a, Highly coveted uh, Division three school in Faith, Wisconsin has a great basketball program. And I'm really intrigued because you were studying sociology and psychology while you were there as a college athlete, and I, from my personal experience, can know that a lot changed in my perception of sport and life during my college years. Can you tell me about something that you maybe learned through your classwork that you were able to implement as an athlete as you were going through it in real
1: time? I mean, really through sociology just learning about different cultures and being more cultural competent. You know, coming from Milwaukee, Northside, you know, King was King was fairly diverse, but it was primarily, you know, black. But, you know, once I got to Stevens Point, just hanging out with, obviously, much more, you know, white people, but then much more Asians, much more Hispanics, and just really just becoming well-rounded as a person and just seeing all the similarities as well as differences, but being able to acknowledge and respect those similarities and differences. Uh, And it's like some things, yeah, you read in the book, but a lot of things you just, you just learn just from being around different people. So I would just say just a lot of those experiences that I had being in a locker room with different people, you know, being in classrooms with different people, being at the, at the cafeteria with different people. So it just, it just opened my eyes and made me more more aware and made me more more culturally competent, you know, just just in how I how I interacted and how I you know, how I treated people. I love that. And from a
2: success standpoint, uh with the men's basketball team at UW Stevens Point, you mentioned and alluded to some of the things you thought were helpful at King. Was there anything different that struck you at Stevens Point that was a key component to the success there?
1: Our coach, Coach Simling, he really put a he really put an emphasis on on toughness. I think any any of my teammates, uh, if you if you if you had to ask them, what would, what would be one word to describe uh Coach Simling' uh, coaching philosophy? It would be you know it'd be toughness. And it was a shift for me because Coach Goss, he was now don't get me wrong, they're both great coaches, phenomenal coaches. Uh Coach Goss actually just won his six hundred uh high school uh, game uh as a coach, as a head coach. And then Coach Simley obviously he has numerous conference championships, numerous uh national championships. Um so but their 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 approach is different. So like Coach God is very kinda of rah rah rah, you know, he'll use some choice language uh, you know, and he'll get in your face and whatnot. And, but Coach Simling was, he, he wouldn't, I, I I could probably count on one hand the amount of times that Coach Simling cursed, you know, during my five years there. I just see like the, the, like the, the, the approach was, was, was a little different, but the end result was the same. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, they demanded the most, uh, out of, out of the players and you couldn't hide, you know, in practice, it was, it was, it was going to be, it was going to be challenging. You know, you were going to be in uncomfortable situations, uh, you know, you going go against, you know, disadvantages, whereas, you know, two-on-one, three-on-twos, four-on-threes, five-on-fours, things like that, sometimes even six against, you know, six against five. I would just say, you know, just a lot of how they prepared us was, was very – the preparation was very similar, but some of the ways that they executed things in practice and practiced in games was, was different. You mentioned five
2: years in there, and correct me if I'm wrong, but one of those years was what we would call a gray shirt year, so you weren't able to be with the team for a year, yep. but you were still a part of the program, but from the outside looking in can you take me inside your mindset during that year being away from the game directly for the first time in your life since you were you know eight years old essentially
1: yeah it was it was tough man I mean, it was tough uh that was that was probably. That was probably the the one and only time I can probably remember where I really like kind of questioned like like dang like am i like is is this the end you know like is this the end of my basketball career? Because when I graduated high school, part of the reason why why I gray shirted was uh when I graduated high school i was I was only five foot two hundred and twenty three pounds, so graduating yeah i had a you know I had a good high school career, but you know you get to college these are grown men. Uh, so it was just like the physicality of it. And then, you know, our recruiting class, we had a lot of, a lot of uh, our numbers were pretty high. My mindset for that was that I'm going to use this year to become the best caliph that I could be. I dedicated myself, you know, once I got past that initial kind of questioning of, of myself, then I just buckled down. Um, you know, I got on a, a, a good weight program. Um, you know, I was in the gym constantly, really just focusing on, on my, on myself. It didn't hurt that I ended up growing six inches my freshman year of college, too. So, uh, you know, I went from five, two to five, eight between September to May or, yeah, September to April. So, just added that to all the work I had put, I had been putting in, you know, on the court and, you know, in the classroom as well. And, you know, in the weight room. Um And that just, you know, it just elevated my game and my confidence. Uh So once, you know, once I did, you know, once the season came around and I was actually a part of the team, it was go time then. So the consistency
2: in your approach
1: and paid off
2: and, and led you to, be in a place to be successful when you were able to compete again. Can you talk to me a little bit about your mindset in regards to what success meant to you when you were younger and transition it, if it has changed to what it is now?
1: Yeah, when I was younger, I I always looked at success as money or like from a monetary standpoint, like, oh, when I get older, I want to be successful, you know, and, and, and in, my, in my head, I'm like, okay, I want to, you know, makes you know six figures or you know whatever like whatever that 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 number I had in my head at that time but as I got older success has changed for me now success looks success is more so freedom or the ability to kind of do do what you want to do that that's how I look at being successful you know if I want to you know if I if I want to have the freedom or if I want to take a trip you know if I want to maybe sleep in on a tuesday when i don't have a meeting or anything i can do that you know i have the freedom to do that if i want to wake up early on a sunday and work and come come to the office i have the freedom to do that so i think that's how success has changed uh it's it's it's, it's made me realize more of just more of this like more so freedom with time versus Success with monetary, like money, money wise. Well, I love the way you put that. And can you tell
2: me how you balance your drive to accomplish the tasks and the things that you, that you want to do with the freedom? You just mentioned sleeping in or working on a Sunday. You know, some people mm-hmm. may sleep in every day and then never get anything done. So, how do you balance that with still accomplishing what you need to do in order to? succeed in what you need to accomplish for the day, the week, the
1: month, whatever it may be. A lot of it has to go. And I mean, you, you can relate as well, but just, just from, you know, from playing organized basketball for so long, just become just developing a level of uh, structure and discipline um, and then coupling that by setting goals, whether those be short term uh, and or long term. I mean, that's, that's really that's really how I approach it. You know, just really having, having that discipline as a, you know, as an entrepreneur, like that's one of the main things that I had to, I would say kind of realize or come to grips with is like, okay, you need discipline. You have, you have, yeah, you have more, more time, but what are you going to do with that time? You know, yeah, you don't necessarily have to punch a clock, but are you disciplined enough to get the work done? Are you disciplined enough to stay nine, 10, 11 o'clock? To get, you know, what needs to be done, done. So I would say, you know, that, that structure and discipline plays a, plays a huge part in keeping me focused on, on what the, on what the task is, you know, our tasks are. Um, and then, you know, you add that into wanting to hit those marks and, you know, setting yourself those, those, those attainable goals and, you know, just holding yourself accountable. You
2: just mentioned a little bit of the entrepreneurial part of it. When you
1: were starting
2: yes, can you talk to me about a fear you had that may have inhibited you from going through with starting it, and how did you overcome that fear?
1: The fear was the at the time when we started yes and you know and starting that entrepreneurial journey, the fear for me was not having that consistent income at the time. So you know at the time I was working for for my father, you know at the social service agency. And I knew, you know, on the last day of the month and the 15th, I was getting a check. I was getting a check. You know, I, I knew it. But when you become an entrepreneur, especially in the early, you know, the first two, maybe three years, it, 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 it can be a little, you know, it can be a little rocky. And then when we were starting in year two, my son was born. So then, you know, you factor in, you know, not having health insurance and all this. So there was a number of different factors that I was kind of afraid of. But once I, I just had to like, I just had to bet on myself and I'm like, okay, well, I'm either going to give 60% to the social service agency and 40% to, you know, Young enterprise Society, or I can just go all in on one or the other. So I chose to go all in on yes, um, back in probably 20, late 2015, early 2016. And once I saw myself really like, once I fully dedicated myself, things just you know things you know consequently uh you know took off. but there was a lot of fear I think the main one was just the from the financial from the financial standpoint, you know trying to start a family and raise a family and then he like and I don't know I don't know where my next or when the next paycheck is coming you know or you or you gotta or you get a check and then it's gotta go right back into the business so it was just a lot of a lot of the financial fears for me.
2: You just said the phrase, bet on myself, which I feel like I have been hearing a lot of lately, which is something that people do when they have confidence in their abilities, but also all the things that you just laid out with the drive, the goal setting, the motivation to accomplish those things. If those pieces aren't there, you don't have the chips in your corner to bet on yourself. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. No, 100%. So I'm going to stick with fear, and it sounds like a negative thing, but it's going to go both ways here. So when you mm-hmm. compete, whether it's in your business, in life, whatever it may be, are you driven by the fear of losing or the joy of winning?
1: The fear of losing, 100% fear. I I hate, I, and anybody who knows me knows that I'm a very competitive person, uh, especially on the basketball court, and now that I'm not necessarily playing anymore uh I coach as well but like it now is transferring into you know into um you know into the business field but yeah I I I hate losing more than I love winning like I, like I absolutely I can't stand losing like if I don't care if I'm playing my son in pop shot like I'm going to try to I'm gonna try to beat him. <laughs> like I, like I, I don't. It's just something about me. Like it's just something how I'm wired. Yeah, I, I, I hate losing. Whether I'm playing speed or you know any card game or I don't play video games anymore. But if I used to play video games, I, I just I'm competitive like that. Yeah, it's just something, something about me. But when, you, when you do have a win or a success.
2: When you have a win, what are you experiencing?
1: Uh, when I have a win, I, I experience the joy. You know, I am able to, and that's one thing I've learned over time, is to actually, you know, just be present and really, because things happen so fast. Life is always moving. I would say probably within the last three years or so, I've really been mindful of just being in the present. So, you know, when I do have a win, you know, I am – you know, appreciative of that win. I am able to, you know, uh, I am able to enjoy it, um, because, you know, not, not everybody has wins, you know, or, you know, so I want to be appreciative and be grateful, you know, for, for, the, for that win and, you know, everything that, that, everything that took place in order for that win to happen.
2: Sticking with wins, you mentioned the Blueprint Business Accelerator Program and the five cohorts that you've had graduate can you give me one example of a cohort that succeeded, and a few key factors that you think contributed to their success?
1: Yeah, so uh, so the cohort is comprises of a number of different companies. So uh, I would say probably the since they're 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 top of mind for me, but they they have been killing it too. Um, I'll say one of the successes has been um, a company called Empower, InPower, I N P L W E R, and they they were in our cohort. I want to say two cohort two and three, and the co-founders actually were working on separate companies that were in our that were in our cohort one, and then they ended up talking and be like, hey, like oh you have this skill set, I have this skill set, you know these are my strengths, these are my weaknesses and they combined forces and they started Empire which is a, a a media management group and they have been like just killing it. Twenty twenty was actually a, a a really good year for them. I would say that that would be the win uh that they in that like like so after every cohort we, we put on what's called a demo day so that the you know we invite, you know, community leaders, potential investors, family and friends so that they can see what the what the businesses have learned and what they've been working on and the, the progress that they've made over the last 12 weeks with COVID, we are actually in week 10 of 12, of 12 weeks for cohort six. So we'll be having a demo day on the 30th and empower. We, we hired empower to put on our virtual demo day. So they do, you know, they do a number of different things and they've been, they've been just phenomenal. Um You know, they put on a huge, uh, Hip Hop and Health virtual event with uh, DJ Jazzy Jeff uh, from Fresh Prince of Bel Air. So you know it just, they just been, I can't say enough about uh, their name, is, uh, Aziz and Imani. So definitely got to give them their props. Uh, and you know I definitely want to, definitely love to to shout them out any any you know any and every opportunity I get.
2: So there is one thing
1: about them
2: that you would say led to their ultimate triumph.
1: What would that one thing be? And I know that's tough but I can't make it easy on you. Yeah. <laughs> I hear you, I hear you. The one thing that I would say probably would be I mean obviously you gotta be talented, you gotta have some skill set. That's that's a given, but I would say the one thing that I see with them is their follow through or follow up, follow through, however you wanna look at it. Um like when they say they're gonna do something, they do it. They say that, you know, yeah, we'll get this email back to you, you know, we'll get this proposal back to you by 12 o'clock, you know, tomorrow. They'll have it to you by 12 o'clock tomorrow. Like, it's just, I think it's a lot of those small things that kind of, that people don't look at, you know, just just those minor details, you know, you say you're going to do something and stick to it. And I think that's that's been, that's probably been their thing that, that I see that separates them from other, I won't even say entrepreneurs, just other people in business, you know, period. You know, they've been very, very consistent and, you know, in their approach and in, in their, in their follow up.
2: So sticking with that theme and them mm-hmm. doing the small things, which is hugely important to build the base to eventually get to the big things, there are always groups, people, entities that have ideas, right? What is the best Mm -hmm. way, or what is a great way, to move ideas into tangible action?
1: You gotta plan. You gotta plan it out. I mean, you gotta like literally write it out because I mean, idea without a plan is just a dream. So when you can actually, you know, get to a whiteboard or get to a notebook or whatever, write it out on your phone, iPad, whatever the case may be. I think that's that initial step is that you have to write it out so that you can visually see it. It's like one of the, it's one of the exercises that we do with our, with our students, our middle and high school students, you know, when when we go into the schools is that we make them write out a goal sheet and have them, you know, write it out and like tell them or ask them to paste it somewhere that you're going to look at every day, you know, whether that be, you know, on a, the, the, on your mirror at home or, you know, on the back of a door or, you know, in your purse or on your, you know, in your wallet, really, I think that's been like really key for me as well personally is like writing things out. Like, it's like, yeah, you can have it in your head and you think you're going to remember it, but, you know, right when you hop in your car, you drive down the street, then, you you know, it's it's something else always constantly, you know, popping in your head. So I think, you know, that's been, you know, I would say that would probably be the main thing is, like, got to write it out. You got to plan it out. You know, just, yeah, it's it's great to have, you know, all the ideas in your head, but, you know, our our mental capacity is limited. You just said
2: taste it or put it somewhere where you're going to see it everywhere, and I have two things I want to share with you on that that I think may be helpful for people if they're not doing it already is putting that goal sheet or that task list on your lock screen on your phone. Because how many times are we looking at our phone a day? And then Mm, it becomes repetition mm. to to see see it. But the other thing is, if you have a password you use to get into a computer or to get into a system that you use a lot, make your password a task statement that reiterates what you want to accomplish. And that's something that. that I learned that I think is really, really helpful because it puts it in my brain consistently all the time. And then it eventually becomes reality of this is what I am. This is who I am, you know, depending on what it is. One of the things I've been working on through COVID is my personal health and getting stronger and more fit. And being a basketball player, we run 94 feet at a time, and that is it. And I'm not trying to run marathons, none of that business. But I started running (laughs) and just getting in my mindset that I am a runner and I'm capable of running because this is good for, you know, my ultimate goal, which is to be healthy for my family, to be able to support them. So I just wanted to yep. share those with you, and I went off on a bit of
1: a tangent there. No, 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 that's, that's great. No, I'm glad you did. I, I actually wrote, I wrote that down. You know, I like, I like the goal sheet on the lock screen. That's, that's, that's really, that's real sweet. I like that.
2: So you just mentioned in that, uh, going into the so when you're trying to connect with, and it doesn't have to be a kid, it can be, um, you know, an adult, a colleague, whatever it may be, and they're just not responding or opening up so that you can assist them. What's a tool that you can use to reach and get through to them?
1: I would say uh, you got you to find out, uh, and I'm speaking mainly for, for, the, for the youth that we work with, but finding something that they're interested in or that they're passionate about, because then that, that, can, be, that can kind of serve as your end, so to speak. I'll give you an example. Um, two years ago, we were working in a, a Bradley Tech high school. And there was a young lady there. She was, like, super quiet. Like, she wasn't disrespectful, but she was just, like, quiet. She just didn't really speak much. You know, it was like pulling teeth to try to get her to participate. So we, you know, we went through our science module. We went through our engineering module. And as soon as we got to our art module, like, she perked up. Like, she, I mean, she, like, it was a totally, like, totally different young lady. And, you know, art was her thing. And ever since then, we were able to relate to her through art. So if we wanted her to do something that was science related, you know, we had to take a art, take a an art angle to get to, you know, to, to get her to understand that. And there was another another young lady. She loved like uh, chemistry and we didn't know that. But like once, you know, she started doing like making like essential oils, like before essential oils was even like a like a huge thing, like this was probably four years ago, five years ago, and like she was just, you know, making essential oils. So like we knew, okay, in order to get through her, we gotta, you know, she, her her interests are is science. So I think just just communicating with people and talking to people, talking with and not talking at whoever you're talking with, I think that plays a huge role because if we come to the schools and we're just like You know, we just stand up and lecture for an hour and a half, two hours, whatever. Like, it's not going to work. But, you know, our approach is to make things as interactive as possible. So, you know, we want to make sure that we're asking questions as well as, you know, getting, getting feedback as well. And we have them ask us questions. So, just to develop that rapport and that relationship. Um, and then once you gain that trust and that respect, those young, you know, young folks that we work with, they'll, they'll pretty much do anything for you. Yeah, it's so
2: important to have your eyes open or your tentacles up to catch those cues, you know. They shift in their yep. chair a little bit. They actually look up from, you know, whatever they're doing and gain a little interest in what you're talking about. But also, yep. I would think starting with a broad net to try to capture whatever that interest is rather than going in with a laser focus, mm-hmm. you know, is, is a tool that, that's helpful there, too, that you, that you guys incorporate, obviously, by going through a variety of programs. So Agreed. we've touched on a little bit of what you do. Can you tell me about a project that you have coming up and your motivation behind it?
1: Yeah, most definitely. Uh, yeah, so I started uh, what's called CORE, CORE Sports. So it's a, it's an acronym for Capable of reaching Excellence. So that started, obviously, through my years of playing and coaching basketball. So I started doing some skilled, basketball skill training and skill development about six years ago. And my brother Q, he's a real estate developer as well. So on one of his developments, he has a uh, it's a huge large development, a uh, sixty-five million dollar development, right in the center of uh, of Milwaukee on thirty-second and thirty-third and Center. It'll be one hundred ninety-seven units, apartment units, be thirty-five thousand square feet of commercial space. So it'll have like a laundromat, a daycare, a creative space for artists, and then I'll have 23,000 square feet of, of sports space for for a sports facility. So very excited about that to be able to have a, a home base, a gym where you know people where it can serve as a safe space for not only the you know, the people who will be living it within that community, but you know just people everywhere. You know we we know how basketball is. It's, you know it's like a, it's a it's a essentially it's a fraternity. So. You know, I want to be able to to bring in, you know, Bucks camps, and you know, have, you know, some of the people who I coached, you know, I had the, you know, pleasure of coaching in high school that, you know, maybe playing collegiate ball, or, you know, knock, you know, God's willing, they might be playing, you know, in the NBA, you know, in a year or two, but have them come back and have somewhere where they can call home, and that can be their home base for not just basketball training, but my approach with core. Is in a holistic uh, fashion, so you know, really want to develop the athlete completely, uh, not just on the court. So you know, whether that be through mental health, health and wellness, financial advising, uh, you know, you name it, entrepreneurial training. So really want to give them a lot of the, a lot of the access and resources that your traditional gym wouldn't wouldn't offer. So I guess that's my that's my main value proposition is the holistic approach.
2: And when does that plan to open?
1: Oh, yeah. So we, we'll be breaking ground right now, February 11th. And then we'll be opening quarter two of 2022. Okay, awesome. I will be looking and, forward to that. And the, the total project is called The Community Within the Corridor. And my, my company is called Core Sports, C-O-R-E, Core Sports. Awesome.
2: I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. So you mentioned in there the fraternity of basketball. So I have two questions I want to get you out of here with, but there might be a follow-up. Give me your best Lewis Johnson story.
1: <laughs> Coach Johnson? Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> My best Lewis Johnson story. Oh, that's a good one. I was, I was not expecting to, to talk about – I'm trying to think. That's a connection we share. You're right. You're right. Uh, man, Coach – Coach John, I I can't you know Coach John, I can't just pinpoint one Coach Johnson story. I he was he was so instrumental to to my basketball development. Um, I mean, just how he he doesn't get enough credit for being so instrumental to a lot of the guys who went on to play successful high school careers and uh, college careers. He really instilled that that team and that togetherness and really, really he had, you know, coach Johnson had some swag about him, you know, like he had us all, all, you know, shooting shirts, all matching. We had the snatch off when snatch off was still, you know, popping all team shoes, same socks, travel sweats, like gym bags. I think that's probably the main thing that sticks out to me with coach Johnson and really him focusing in on like, yeah, we had a talented team, but he really made sure that we knew the fundamentals, the fundamentals of you know of, of you know offense and defense, you know shell principles, things like that. Um, yeah, Coach Johnson, he he was a he was a hell of a coach, man. He was a hell of a coach. I I can't say any you know enough good things about Coach Johnson. He was you know my first AAU coach, and you know he had I think I played with Coach Johnson from. Fourth grade all the way to ninth grade, and you know, anytime I see Coach Johnson, it's always love. Obviously, I, I run into Matt every now and then, but yeah, it's, it's, it, he was he was very instrumental into my development. Like I can't say enough good things about Coach Johnson.
2: Well, he you mentioned the swag. He was making the fanny pack popular before it was popular. We'll just say that about him. Yes,
1: yes, yes. I I you know what? It's funny. So my <laughs> A quick story. So my dad, he was going through some old pictures because he was he's updating his website for his for the social service agency. So he was going through some old photo albums, looking at some old pictures, and he gave me like a stack of pictures. And we had just won a tournament, and like Coach, J- Coach Johnson has on, uh, he has on like these these sky blue like these sky blue Nike sweatpants with a white and blue Nike polo tucked in. And with the fanny pack on, on the side. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Coach yeah. John, yeah, he stayed with the fanny pack, though. He stayed with the fanny pack.
2: As he made an impact in your life, he made an impact in my life. You know, he introduced me to the Friends of Hoop program, which George Carl was running, mm-hmm. which, you know, allowed me to um, meet you and a variety of other people, you know, in yeah. the Milwaukee basketball scene and then go do a bunch of things in my life, like meeting John Wooden and tons of other things that he was the key for. And you're right, I I don't think he gets nearly enough credit for what he did for a whole ton of kids for a long time. Yeah, for sure. No, that's that's a fact. That's a fact. All right, last question. Hypothetical Mm -hmm. situation. If you could have one superhero power, what would it be and what would you do with it?
1: Oh, if I could have one superhero power, it'll probably be mind-reading. And what would you do with that power? Uh, I mean, I would, I mean, obviously I would do good, but I guess I don't know exactly what I would do <laughs> Uh, that's a good question. Yeah, I mean, I, I would just, I would use it for, for good, but I would use it for, like, just to know when people were not who they say they were or or how they, or how they try to perceive themselves as. Okay. Yeah,
2: so I yeah,
1: just, so, yeah. just is like, like this is like valid validation, you know, just validation. Like, okay, I, I hear you, but I actually know what you're thinking. So just, just for, just for intentions.
2: Yeah. That, that makes me think of a phrase. People can make their mouths say anything, but if you can really get to their full intentions, that will give you a great look into their soul and, and what they are about. Exactly. Exactly. Most definitely. Khalif, I appreciate the time. This has been great. I will definitely put some information in the notes about Yes and the Blueprint and Core. And I know that people will really enjoy listening to this because you gave some really good insights. So thank you for coming on
1: Competitive Mindset. Oh, man. Thank you. I appreciate you having
0: me. Next time on Competitive Mindset.
1: I mean, I've been told no a ton of, ton of, ton of, ton of time. So you just get the confidence to try it because you know that you'll be okay if you don't you know, succeed in that moment in that way.
0: Competitive Mindset Music was produced by DJ Jojo Moore and all images were created by Elena Keel. Be sure to subscribe, rate, leave a review, and follow
2: us at CompetitivePod.com.